Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So the Onyx Hunt app is mobile GPS app for your phone that can be used anywhere, anytime, with or without service. So one of the features I want to talk about within the Onyx Hunt app is the current and historic wildfire layer. So why is that uh, important? So the current wildfires layer shows active wildfires throughout the United States. You can view the perimeters, the names, and areas of fires, and that information is updated daily. Uh, that's not available for offline use, but if you're going and looking at an area, when burns start to happen, you're worried about it being in your hunting area, you can say up to date all in one place by using Onyx. In addition to that, the historic wildfire layer shows burned areas since the year 2000 and red shaded areas show recent burns that have some of the newest regrowth and probably some of the best places to look for wild game and mushrooms so you turn those layers on check out the the historic and current wildfires layers within the onyx hunt app if you want to check out the onyx hunt app for yourself head over to onyxmaps.com use the coupon code emw that will save yourself 20 percent off of the hunt app elk 101 the university of elk hunting is the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available something that i've been been a part of now for four years been going through the course and coming on my fifth year here and being able to really have everything you want to learn about elk hunting, do-it-yourself elk hunting in one place. And actually, really, if you're, if you're going with uh, an outfit or a guide, that information is still pertinent because it's 17 different modules that break down every aspect from the planning phases to the scouting to the hunt itself. And even when your elk is down, it breaks down how to cut up the meat in the field, how to pack it out, um, the entire process with videos and diagrams that can be used on the mobile app that can be used offline in the field. You can download those videos. So you're out there and, and if you've never quartered an animal before, it's not easy to remember. And uh, it's really nice to have that resource in your pocket. So if you want to check out the University of Elk Hunting, head over to elk101.com. Use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST. That'll save yourself 20% off of the online course. So Tethered. Tethered had evolved from a desire to really provide quality gear and resources to the saddle hunting community, which is a very small niche component of the greater hunting industry. But the availability of saddle-specific gear and innovation was severely lacking. So Tethered came along and introduced the lightest, least bulky, most versatile, safest hunting, elevated hunting system in the world, um, especially with their Mantis uh, saddle that I used last year, their Phantom saddle that came out this year, and their Predator platform, and all the components that go along with it. They have a ton of different videos and resources on their website to teach you about saddle hunting, how to get the right setup for you. So head over to tetherednation.com to be able to check that out. And also, I just wanted to note that um, if you want to head over to 
to my website at which is www.eastmeetswesthunt.com. If you head over to the online store there, have a bunch of hats, some shirts, some things in stock, um, and donating 3% of the sales, as always, to conservation organization. And this quarter, it goes to the National Wild Turkey Federation. So head over there and check out um, all the gear there. Have some new, have a new women's hat out, have some rut stash stickers, whole bunch of cool stuff there. Nalgene bottles, great things um, to, for birthday gifts, Father's Day gifts coming up, whole bunch of different things there. So check that out. And um, I am shipping, still shipping everything currently, but just down to one day a week. So just be patient, but it'll come in, you know, within week to seven week to 10 days excuse me and uh with the current state with uh covid19 all right so i want to go through the story here um before i get into the the interview with sam soholt um the mountain buck monday that i did over on instagram yesterday and facebook this story comes from john veely uh so john You'll see the picture if you go over to social media, just a giant buck that he named King um, down in West Virginia. So he had photos of it from velvet to hardhorned and usually disappeared during the hunting seasons, but it all finally came together on October 10th, 2019. It was his best bow harvest so far, and he's got another one in mind for this fall. So... Hopefully, John can capitalize again on a giant mountain buck. I mean, this deer is just a beautiful, beautiful deer. So, John, thanks for sharing your story. And as always, send in your mountain buck posts, your success stories. Share them to me, and I'd love to be able to share it on the podcast as well as on social media. And speaking of mountain bucks, the mountain buck scouting series, the last episode of this five part series is releasing this Wednesday. This one is all about buck bedding in the mountains. So it's this, I'm going to break down how to use it within Onyx and how to find potential buck bedding areas and then how to scout it in, you know, in the spring or in the season, summer, doesn't matter. Being able to check these areas out how I'm running trail cameras on there, explaining the thermals in the mountains, and then lastly, how I'm going to set up doing that and actually show setting up my saddle in a scenario um, that hopefully comes together this fall. So check out that video, the rest of the series there. I hope everyone enjoyed it. would love to hear some feedback on it and anything else that, that really Really appreciate it, and if you want to see more uh, along those lines, so gonna still be doing some more YouTube stuff going forward. Uh, YouTube is something I want to do more video like content. So let me know what you want to see, and that's about it. So this episode, I am going through with Sam Sohol, and Sam has been on the podcast before, but we're talking about something different. We're going to. You know, we, we've talked to him about the bus and he's talked about all the great things he's doing for conser conservation there. And I don't want to undermine that at all. There's super important things that, um, that he's doing. And I think everyone needs to check it out. But Sam's a very popular guy and he's been on other podcasts before talking about those things. So check out those ones if you want to see some real detail on 
some of the different projects he's doing within the, the bus or even the last episode I did with him on the bus and then now the public land van. But I want to dive into deeper stuff with him on this one in regards to basically building out the ultimate hunting rig um, in your vehicle. So as he's doing with the van and the bus and I have with my truck, um, it's going to be really cool. A really cool episode to talk with him here. And also this week, it, it might not be out right when this podcast releases. Be checking in. I'll send out uh, an email to the subscribers there when this launches. But going to do a whole article on how my truck is laid out, all the stuff I have in it, and as many links as possible as I can to the products that I'm using. Um, it's I'm pumped to do that. I'm a gear junkie. I, I like it. I love the organization that I have in my, my deck system in the back of my truck and everything else. So um, check that out uh, when that goes up live here. should be in a few days. But, um, yeah, other than that, uh, I really hope that uh, you guys enjoy this episode with Sam Soholt. All right. I'm sitting across from the computer here, distancing myself from Mr. Sam Soholt all the way out in North Dakota. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Just happy to be back on the podcast. It has, it's been just about a year. Like uh, the last time was when, in May when I was out in uh, PA for the Seven Springs TAC. Yep. Yeah, that was. Yeah, because that's when um, we, yeah, we did the podcast in person, which is always nicer. And that was one of your uh, rules there at the time. You only wanted, you said, Bo, I'm not, not doing a podcast with you till we can do it in person. And uh, I'm glad we waited to do it then, but. Right now, I think this is the only the only method we could do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder to do in person podcasts at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. Just a lot less travel right now, and um, I I should have kept track like during the pandemic how many podcasts I've recorded like since it started. It's been a lot. I've been like, uh, it seems like everyone's sitting at home and. Like they're like, hey, like they're like pinning me down because they know I'm not traveling as much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's been good. I, I, you know, it's probably been close to a dozen at least. Really? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, it's been it's been good. So, uh, yeah, just pumped to be back on. Yeah, cool. I uh, so I've had you on before, and and you know, if anybody wants to go back and get a detailed background on sam then go back to that episode and listen to it it was uh, released back in last june and go through the story but if you want to give a, a brief you know your elevator pitch of who sam Soulhold is and what you do would you mind doing that yeah for sure uh i typically like when i have to like write a little short paragraph i introduce <laughs> myself as a uh, photographer public land advocate um school bus driver uh nomad trying to think of the other adjectives I have to use for to describe myself but <clears throat> no I'm 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 typically a traveling you know freelance photographer first and then uh, on top of that have been able to join that with um, public land advocacy and conservation funding raise fundraising and um, basically spending as many days as many days outdoors as possible yeah yeah you definitely done a lot of that and, and over the last you know, a few years. And, and as long as I've known you now for, I don't know, four or five, six years, whatever it's been. And, uh, it's been cool to, cool to see that. I mean, how's it been, uh, being, 
you know, in North Dakota here during this, this time, because normally you're always on the road, it seems like. Yeah, typically at least two weeks of every month I'm gone doing something. Um, and so it has been, you know, for the first, I'd say, month of it, the month and a half <clears throat> of not like be going, um, it was a huge breath of fresh air uh, just to slow down, kind of take a step back, look at everything I was doing and be able to kind of prioritize what I wanted to do going forward. And since then, I've gotten way more like productivity, like busy work done than I ever have, like especially during a season. Uh, but I, over the past couple of weeks, I've been getting pretty stir crazy just to get back out, on, you know, not even on the road, just get back out and spend some time uh, in the woods. And, you know, unfortunately, I've been able to do some turkey hunting this spring, but it just doesn't seem like, like I need more. Like I'm like an addict. I need, to, I need that next hit of, of fresh air. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, um, I, I had also seen that, you know, you've been working and I'm sure what a lot of these other podcasts you've recorded have been surrounded by your, your newest project, the, the public land van or the, and you, you actually forgot something in your bio is the, the free candy van driver. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Now, now I went from a school bus driver to a, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, you shouldn't call it a rapist van on a, on a podcast, but it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> overland van. It's a, it's off-road capable, like badass camping rig. Yeah. That's, it's, that's better. Yeah. An overland van is a lot uh, more of a political, politically correct way of saying it, but we'll, yes. we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was. Um, so first I, I want to hear a little bit about this, this project. And, and again, I don't mean to, to cut it short in any way, but I know you've done a great job explaining it in other places. So I, I want to hear a little bit about what this public land van project is. For sure. So the last time we talked a lot about the bus project and kind of the whole concept of it, um, which was basically just a way to have a rolling billboard to support public lands, public land access, um, raise money for conservation. And the van project actually started as not a van. Um, we, my brother and I were good, were contemplating doing a, uh, like just a pickup kind of more like a, you know, a build out on a truck or whatever. And we might've actually talked about this like back in Pennsylvania. I think I had the concept in my head about doing like a, whatever, like kind of a, more of a simple quote unquote overland truck build out. Um, yeah. And, but then just through that trip actually out in Pennsylvania, met the crew at Quigley Motor Company, who's from Manchester, Pennsylvania. And we got to talking about projects and, you know, I had told them about the truck idea and they were like, well, would you ever think about like building out a van? I mean, like it's probably more kind of suits what you're trying to do. And, you know, and so started brainstorming about that. And sure enough, like within a couple months, like between talking to them about what we can, you could actually do with a four wheel drive van and working with my brother on like what we could do with the van. We were on the hunt to buy a van. And so <clears throat> bought a Chevy express 3,500, um, extended wheelbase passenger van. And then I drove it all the way to Manchester from Colorado and <clears throat> had the four wheel drive conversion done through Quigley. And so when I came back out to get it, it was, you know, lifted three inches and had 33 inch tires on it and a four wheel drive system installed. And then I drove it all the way back to the West, um, 
and uh, got married somewhere in the middle there last October. (laughs) 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 And then, um, yeah, used it on a few hunts last fall, just like, you know, took the seats out and just let all the carpet and everything was still in. And then uh, in January, we started the actual build. And so the plan with the van is to completely convert it into an overland rig, sleeping, you know, sleeping quarters, uh, tons of gear storage, little kitchen area with a sink and a stove. And um, uh, it it has a shower head on it, which will be nice to do outdoor showers. Uh, We're working on doing like a either going to retrofit the tent that I use for the bus to fit alongside of the van, or we're going to have like do another custom tent build to like basically increase that living space. And then, um, yeah, it'll basically be, if you think about it as like a, just a smaller version of the bus, it's a way to be way more mobile. Um, cause driving a school bus is just that it's driving a school bus. It's slow and heavy and it's expensive and it's awesome but it's all of those other things too. Yeah. Um, and so the, the van just gives us an opportunity to really spend a lot more time farther into public land spots that we never would have been able to take the bus. Um, but still preaching the same message about the importance of protecting public lands. And obviously right now, like with the pandemic, there's been less, you know, push to like sell off public lands or anything like that. Um, but right now is really an opportunity to talk about like, joining conservation groups because all those groups are hurting for money. Um, you know, even if you're not going to go hunting, like maybe pick up a fishing license or a hunting license because all the states and the state agencies are really hurting for money right now. So it's just been a way to like shift our conversation as a, you know, in any direction where funding really needs to go, which has been fun. Oh, good. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's obviously been a successful message with the bus and been seeing it with the van and, through your other project with public land tees and you know, every, everything else there, the, the duck stamp project that you had going, like a lot of really cool. I love seeing your, your interesting ways of raising money. Cause it's always like just off the wall kind of stuff that, you know, it's, it's just, it's cool to get to see that. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's really been fun. Like you kind of dive into that world of conservation and, and fundraising and looking at the different organizations and how they do stuff. And like, okay, you start to look at, try to think outside the box. Like how can, how can we raise dollars? That's not going to take away from a conservation group, but it's going to be a way for people to still be involved, um, feel like they're making a difference. Um, and when they are actually making a difference, um, and just kind of highlight some of these avenues for people to donate money, um, without it being such a ma- <clears throat> without it being such a massive involvement on their part. Um, people don't have time, you know, I mean, it's a little different now when people are stuck at home, but most people don't have time to, you know, spend a weekend helping with this project or they don't have, you know, they can't really put boots on the ground, but the majority of those organizations and other groups really just need the funding to be able to go and do the things that they need to do. Um, so yeah, like you, touched on the, the duck stamp project like that was super cool because we you know were able to raise uh, a little over twenty five thousand dollars and by law 98 percent of that had to go directly back to wetland access habitat conservation um, which not only helps migratory bird species but basically 700 other species of animal that use wetlands as part of their whether it be their nesting habitat or water or you know just bedding area um, you name it. It's, it's invaluable. 
Yeah, no, that, that, I thought that was, that was a super cool project and just, and seeing you buying all the stamps and how much money was raised in the process was just kind of mind blowing. I didn't know if you had any expectation of that or just didn't know what to expect. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't know what to expect. Like what, I mean, if you remember what, like we kind of, it was, it was kind of a dumb way to roll it out, but <laughs> But on such a short period of time, it was the best way I could figure out how to do it. So if if people there listening don't know what I'm talking about, I literally asked people to send me money on PayPal and Venmo. And then every dime that I received, I put it into our bank account and went and bought duck stamps with that money. And so it was basically it was basically just like we were the middleman, but like we didn't we didn't make any of that money on the deal. Yeah. And we actually we actually leveraged that into an additional fundraiser. So we started giving away the duck stamps through the sales on our website. And so people were, you know, they could buy a t-shirt, get a duck stamp, and then either give it to a buddy or use it for on their own. And then, you know, we raised almost an additional five thousand dollars on top of just what we raised through buying duck stamps. So it um we're going to be a little more organized for Stamp It Forward 2020, but <laughs> it, uh, it blew me away how much that took off. And hopefully, you know, we can, you know, make that bigger by a factor of 10 this year is kind of the, the goal. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I look forward to, to seeing that and supporting it. So, Sam, what I wanted to get into on this podcast specifically was kind of geeking out a little bit on the gear and what it takes to travel and hunt and you know kind of how you're setting up your rig and and not we're not looking at specifics as say the bus or the van sure but as rigs in general whether that's my truck your van your truck all these different things kind of looking at you know how how you're organizing that um you know your camping your sleep setup i know these are going to vary a little bit but cooking camp life uh, recovery emergency type stuff Mm -hmm. and then you know some other items and things that you necessarily you know can't go without or some things people might not think of so let's let's start into all right you're going on these hunting trips the the biggest thing that uh you kind of want to figure out is how you're going to sleep or how you're going to camp because that's the the whole Mm -hmm. purpose of you know going on these trips so what what does your kind of camping sleep setup look like um say for example with the with the van project that you're working on yeah so with the van it's going to be super nice because we have a um, basically a queen size bed built into the back. Um, it's not it's not quite wide enough for like a full queen, um, but each sleeping space there's two sleeping spaces. Um, they are I think it's 29 inches wide or 30 inches wide on each uh, on each sleeping space, and then they're six foot six inches long. And so it's basically just a platform with a four inch memory foam pad. And then, you know, you'd be rocking a sleeping bag back there or a, just a, you know, heavy duty blanket or whatever it might be. Um, so that's with the van, but like on top of that, we're going to have some sort of a tent. And so if we park the van at the trailhead or whatever, and we're hiking in, then we're going to be tearing into a different sleep type setup. But with the van, it'll be as much as possible staying in the van itself. Um, if we, if we have extra people, like I had touched on doing that tent that'll sit up next to it um if we want we could throw up a cot in there and and stay in there with the wood stove and the whole thing so yeah have you have you i know you're you're running like a a roof uh roof rack on top of your rig Mm -hmm. and 
have you considered ever doing like an external tent on top of that like a you know truck tent yeah uh have definitely thought about it the the uh the only thing i'm kind of worried about is like the 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 van keeps getting taller. Like it's, we had, you know, like the, the lift put it's already a big van and then mm-hmm. you put a lift on it, bigger tires, you know, the top of the van's like seven foot three or seven foot four or whatever it is. And then a roof rack on top of that is about a foot because you have like the gutter mounts and then the rack itself. And, um, and then if you mount a tent to the rack, you'd actually have to put bars across the very top. And then you're looking at, you know, 18 inches, of tent and then it would be a lot it would it would be yeah. a lot stacked up there i've definitely thought about it and i'm tempted to on certain trips you know just like even if it's like oh we're gonna do a backpacking trip or we're gonna do a trip through like five national parks or whatever you know whatever we decide to do i'm tempted to reach out to you know to Pui or um one of one of those rooftop tent companies and be like hey could i like just try a loaner like just and see what it would work um, like on top of the van. Cause I think that would be pretty fun and, uh, might be nice to space out. Like if it's my brother and I might be nice to have just a little extra sleeping room yeah. for one of us <laughs> instead, of, instead of both of us crammed in the back of the van. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I was wondering. I just know that like, I, I get it with the, the, the van thing, the height. And I even know it with my truck. Sometimes it can be difficult going into places or if I don't, I see there's trees hanging down and I'm not paying attention. And all of a sudden the, the tent gets a new, you know, it gets cleaned off with those right. branches pretty good. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. but yeah, and I, but I'd, I'll be interested to see you're doing YouTube videos of the, the van build out specifically, but I'll be interested to see how that bed, uh, layout is there. And yeah. And, uh, I'm meeting my brother out in Western South Dakota this coming weekend. And, uh, so we're going to do some turkey hunting and, uh, we're going to film basically an entire update of where the build is at right now, where it's going, um, and just give people an idea, like how we're building it out. Um, and you know, I've had a lot of people ask me about like, Oh, like, why aren't you building, you know, more room for sleeping or, you know, more of this or whatever. And our, like really our focus is, do you want to spend time in your vehicle or do you want to spend time doing what you're there to do? Like you can build this laugh lavish, you know, van if you want, you can spend as much money as you wanted, but like the purpose of a camper van is to sleep there when you're not out doing exactly what you're there to do. Yeah. Now it's different on a rainy day, but <laughs> for the most part, we're really going to focus on like, we're building the van to further the experience of why we're there, not to live in the van. Yeah. And I mean, in that, in that scenario, like you're, um, you're running, you said you're going to modify something like you did with the bus, the, the canvas tar or tent to come off the side or whatever that helps for rainy yeah, days or, helps a lot. you know, and, and that's what, that's what I did. I, I agree with you about like, you don't, your truck or your van or whatever isn't place that you're trying to like make this luxury hotel where you want to hang out all the time, you know, it purposes yeah. to go somewhere and be able to have everything within it. But I, I ran one of those, uh, one of the rigs off the back at, Slumberjack, the roadhouse tarps that comes off, just something simple like those tarps are really nice for the rainy days. You can set up some chairs underneath it, and yep. and uh, it was has really helped kind of my my setup when I go on trips like that. For sure, for sure. But cool. yep. 
Um, so, okay. So, you know, talked a little bit about your, your sleep setup and everything. What about your, your cooking setup? So let's, we're going to base this off of, say you're doing like a, you're hunting out of the truck, you're coming or the vehicle, you're coming back every night, not a, not a backpack style hunt. What is, what is that looking like from a Sam Soholtz cooking setup? Yeah. Uh, so I have started to use a ton of the camp chefs, camp chef stuff. And obviously with the bus, I was able to haul a bunch. So I had like a pro 60 X, like the two burner stove with the fold out legs. And it was, Oh my God. So nice. Like there was a grill top for it and then like a, a griddle top. So you could grill stuff or throw a pot on or whatever it might be, or, you know, griddle stuff. But for the van specifically, um, still going to use a camp chef stove, but, um, going to use one of the smaller camp stoves that'll sit on like a platform kind of outside one of the passenger doors mm-hmm. uh, and have gotten fairly proficient on cooking on those, those camp stoves. Um, I love them. They're just, they're so versatile. They're so small, you know, they run off those one pound propane tanks yep. and they're, uh, just so easy to use. And like, I'm, it's surprising to me, like how well you can control the heat on those and then typically what i'll do is i'll have a good like pretty good size like cast iron pan one of those that you can cook everything in and then um a pot for whether you know pasta or whatever and then a uh, a griddle top <clears throat> and that's it just a flat top for whatever frying stuff up or you know you're doing burgers or steaks or whatever on the on the griddle top are you normally bringing, you know, meat and, and say eggs and a bunch of stuff with you to cook up there? Are you, you know, doing a lot of it? Hopefully if you, you kill something on the trip to be able to, are you, are you not that, that confident in, uh, <laughs> you know, I try to be as confident as possible, <laughs> but I'm typically bringing meat from past hunts because since I'm not home a lot, like if I don't bring meat along and continue to eat down that meat, then like. I'm just, I end up giving away a lot, which is fine. Like it, my friends and family love it that I'm able to be like, oh, here's, you know, 15 pounds of burger and 10 steaks and you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I really like bringing that stuff along and I, there's something about feeding yourself on wild game while you're in camp hunting wild game. I don't know. Like yeah. it's, that whole cycle of it all just seems uh, like more, in, it makes you like more in tune with everything you're doing. It seems like the right thing to do. I get it. There's <laughs> no other explanation that needs to be said for that. But I think we get it, <laughs> but uh, all right. So you have the, <clears throat> excuse me, those, you know, that cook set up and, and everything. And, and just, this makes me think you're talking about bringing the meat and stuff. What do you typically bring in far as like keeping it cold, like a, a cooler setup? Yeah. Uh, so always have some sort of a, yeti tundra cooler that's typically like the main um hunt meat hauling deal but the the last year i've been using one of those 12 volt dometic fridge freezers and oh my they are unreal like um last spring turkey season i went on like a 60 day turkey tour with the guys from the hunting public and had meat frozen in it the whole time and they draw less amperage than charging a cell phone. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a crazy amount of low power, but you can keep stuff cold really easily and you're not constantly trying to get ice all the time. Um, so I've got a, a Dometic CFX 75, which has two different um, compartments. So you could do like a fridge and a freezer, um, but that's a little big for the van. And so I actually um, just got a 45, 
which is a lot smaller version. And then mm-hmm. that's just a, well, that's a single compartment, but you can fit a lot in there. I've actually been using it as overflow meat storage during the pandemic because I've got a pile of wild game here, but we were trying to stock up on like frozen fruits and veggies and whatever, and didn't have quite enough freezer space without like a chest freezer in the garage yet. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been, yeah, I've had, I don't know, it's like 50 pounds of meat just jammed into that Dometic been frozen for the last. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. And so how are you, what are you doing as far as getting, making that run? You said it's 12 volt, but how are you powering that? Uh, solar. So, um, been using Zamp, Zamp solar for the last couple of years. Um, and, uh, I've got, you know, on the, we've got a 200 watt system on the van that still needs to be installed, but we'll be running 200 watts that'll attach to the roof rack. And then you run it to a giant deep cycle battery, which powers, um, both an inverter. So you can plug in like 110 power or, um, have like a couple cigarette lighter plugins, like 12 volt plugins. And then we're going to run, um, from the battery, we'll run towards the back, like, you know, in the sleeping quarters, we'll have some just USB plugins for charging phones and, and whatever. But yeah, for, for powering that, um, that cooler, you can either plug it right into the, you know, obviously into the cigarette lighter for the van itself. Um, but we're going to have hardwired into like our cabinetry, a, uh, a plug-in for that. Okay. That's a, that's, that's an interesting setup. I wondered how, how you would do that. A, a buddy of mine has one of those, those coolers like that, that, uh, what were you saying the name of it was? Uh, Dometic. Dometic. I don't know if it's that brand, but it was something similar to that idea and being able to take it mobile. And I wondered how, you know, what would be the best method as far as power and yeah. it, but solar no, makes I, I sense. Should, I should tell your listeners, uh, if they're looking at like a mobile, like 12 volt fridge freezer, um, on Dometic's website, on those CFX coolers, you can actually get free shipping right now with the code capital S-A-M, all caps. Wow. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it's yeah. like whatever, 50, 60 bucks. On I was going to say, so, yeah, shipping a cooler like that, yeah. free shipping is a pretty big deal. Yep. So a awesome. little plug little plug for, you know, free shipping if anybody wants one. But they're they're super slick. Um, yeah, and if, if uh, I should, I want to do, a, I'm going to do a video like, of how I have run solar to chart, like basically my power systems, I keep them. I'm not an electrician. Um, and so people will laugh at the way I do it, but, um, I keep it as simple as possible. The fewest wires, the better for me, because the last thing I need is like start a fire in the the van or in the bus or whatever. So, um, yeah, I should do, I should do a whole video on how I've, I've done my setups, but it's like, I was, terrified to do it in my first build and now it's like oh that's not it's not that hard interesting I, I'll, I'll be interested to see that video myself like i said that's one of the things that i want to do more of for my setup is figuring out a way to get power source even charging uh batteries and camera batteries and yep. and phones and podcast equipment all this other stuff that that i'm bringing on these trips instead of leaving my truck run and right just plug right. everything in and well maybe Maybe what I should do is, um, you know, I've obviously been working with Zamp, but maybe what I should do is do a video where it's like, if I was going to go on Amazon, buy all the parts, you know, or, or Amazon and Napa, so I don't have to ship a battery to myself, uh, but build like a little, you know, like, like build like a milk crate, like solar power generator. Um, it's, it's not hard. It'd probably be, I would guess like with solar panels, battery, solar controller, you know, everything you need to go into it, I would guess it'd be under... I mean, 
I don't know, three, 400 bucks and you could have like a legit like power source. Yeah. Oh, that would be, that would be so awesome. Like, especially you go on extended hunts or, you know, last year I was in Idaho for 17 days, like living out of that truck. It was, that would have been a, a, a big help and, you know, and, and just being able to charge things and, and everything else there. But that would be a pretty big deal. Um, all right, I'll do it. You all right? Yeah, let's. Uh, so everyone heard that. If you don't, if Sam doesn't have a video up in the next week, uh, oh then, boy, uh, give me a month. <laughs> yeah, all right, we'll give you a month. <laughs> on a side note, the whole YouTube thing is. Uh, I, I've been. I you've started to venture into it more lately, and I've been creeping into doing some stuff with it, and it's it's a long, it's a process. <laughs> I can see yeah, why man, it's, it's taking yeah. me a while. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it, I, you know, I looked at my daily life and said, I would really like less time. That would, that's what I would, I would really like a lot less time in my life. I'd really like to edit a lot. Like spend a lot of hours at the computer. <laughs> um, and, and so I just dove, dove head in. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been good. It's, you know, um, I think eventually I would honestly, I would love to hire somebody that, you know, could live here with me for a couple weeks a month and then they could hop in a truck and drive out to Colorado and live with my brother for a couple weeks and, you know, film stuff and edit and, and just, uh, be able to take a little bit of that off my hands just cause it's, it's a lot of extra work. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I know that for this, last project that I did for the, the mountain bucks scouting series, I had hired somebody, Justin Mueller had helped me with the, the filming and the editing part. And that was been so nice to, to have, have yes. that, you know, just to, cause it'd be like, you know, he's sending me the edits and I review them and put my comments on, then he re uploads it. And I'm like, okay, but I, I don't have the funds to do that for everything, but, uh, no, right. <laughs> but for, for that project, it's, it's a really nice, nice thing to be able to do. But, um, anyways, I just, I went down that rabbit hole, but yeah, the YouTube things, uh, I noticed you've been doing a lot more with it and your YouTube channels is, is, has a lot of cool stuff on it, but it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And I finally kind of committed to, I'm, I'm only doing like as one, well, I'm doing weekly videos right now, but yeah, that's what my, my goal is with it. So we'll see how, how that goes with the podcast and all the other fun stuff going along with it. For sure. Yeah. But anyway, so back to the, when you're talking about, uh, so okay, so not your powered cooler, but you're taking a Yeti out. What, is there like a, a favorite size that you like to take? I know it depends on what game you're hunting, but what is your kind of typical setup for that? Yeah. You know, the, my favorite size is the 75. Um, you can get, uh, like, you know, broken down deer, whatever, boned out deer, you can get a whole deer into a 75 with plenty of ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that one doesn't take up too much space. You know, like you get into like the 125s or whatever, you're just, I mean, it's such, it, they're giant, which is great if you're hauling out an elk or whatever. Um, but yeah, the 75 or, or two 75s on like a cargo carrier on the truck or what, you know, whatever, just to like save some space, you can get pretty much anything that you're going to really need to keep cold in, in those two or one or two of those. Yeah. I, I know I, I went overboard with coolers last year going to Idaho, took a borrowed a Yeti 160, um, had a Yeti 110, 
a 75, mm-hmm. and uh, another, I don't remember what it was, but it was a 105 quart, whatever it was. And so it yeah. four, four coolers, okay? And I ended up fitting my elk all into one of them. I think it all fit in the 110 after it was all cut up. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay. So I just had backpacks and everything else you just shoved in the other ones but i mean you're you're talking to the guy who would strap i on the bus i always had two 125 strapped to the roof rack and then my bench seat for my desk in the bus was a 75 and then there was typically like another one somewhere in there full of something yeah it was way way overkill and actually, I had a I had a thirty five behind my front seat that I keep for drinks, like for driving, you know, and, right. and little right. snacks and stuff there. But uh, it's 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 funny. I, but the one thing is about having more coolers is when they're empty, you can use them. They're not just empty space. Like I put gear in them and oh, for sure. do all that. Like we shove our backpacks in there and all of our any other stuff you can think of. You know, use it as an organizational. Uh, tool as well but i just i just got a 75 and that's um because i had borrowed one before and and that's a great size like you said it's it's maneuverable it's not so big that like you're you're struggling with it but it's it's nice i can keep it in my truck almost all the time it's in there in in the back and uh i'm i haven't put a a deer in it yet but that's what i was hoping for most of the whitetail trips that'd be a perfect size yep, cooler for perfect it. size perfect size yeah yeah so interesting all right let's look at some other things with just general camp life like what things are you carrying around whether that's chairs or um anything else that's making you kind of comfortable when the, with the you know living out of the camp yeah uh chairs are definitely a must um you know uh got a couple of those yeti trailhead camp chairs and those are super slick it's nice that they they're long when they fold down, but they, they're small enough, like thin enough where you can kind of like slide them in and around stuff. Um, another nice chair for camp is those Chama chairs with the, they're like the triangle seat with the back on them. Those are super slick. And not only are they good for camp, but they're good for like ground blinds. If you're turkey hunting with a bow or, um, those are super nice, but yeah, chairs. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that's just like, you know, like necessities for camp to make it more comfortable. Um, yeah, just like general. I know, like um, around camp. Uh, yeah, I, I I carry the little. I have just got the Yeti, the trailhead chair, which is super comfortable, and it actually folds down pretty small for what it is, and I can mm-hmm. run it, you know, in the the awkward spaces under my cap. Like you can kind of fit them in the corner along the windows and stuff. Yep. which is nice. And then in my deck system, I always, I have a Helinox chair, which yeah, nice little <laughs> small, lightweight, um, yep. thing there. And, um, uh, but yeah, other, other than that, um, anything else that you have any cool tables or any fold out things that you, yeah, have, that you bring along? I've got a little, um, camp chef makes like a roll up table, uh, or like the legs fold up and then the top, is like a bunch of slats of metal. Um, and then that rolls up and then it all goes into a bag. It's kind of like the same size as like one of those Yeti trailhead chairs when it folds up. Yeah. And that's super nice cause it's adjustable. And so you can, you know, whether you're throwing your stove on there or if it's just like a prep table or whatever it might be. Uh, the other thing that nobody ever talks about as far as like making camp comfortable is enough light at night. 
Um, so whether it be like a string of like indestructible, like Edison bulb lights that you can like prop up or whatever, um, or like just really good lantern or like a extra, you know, light coming off the vehicle, man, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think there's just something like, I never seen like I can get enough light. Yeah. Like working on something after dark, I just like light it up. I don't care. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. That's, um, I have one of those goal zero lanterns that I have that it's nice and I don't recommend ever doing the part where you have to crank it to get light when it goes down. Cause you have to crank it for about seven hours to get 12 minutes of light, but, uh, it's super nice. You can charge stuff on it. But anyways, I hang that up like in the, the back when I have that roadhouse tarp coming off the back of my truck, I'll hang that up in there and be able to get some, get some light, uh, down. I'm trying to think of other methods that I use. Oh, and the back of my truck cap, I had a little light that's up underneath um, when you open up the, the hatch there, which currently isn't working. I don't know what, what the hell I did do it, but I got to, it it's wiring and something I'm not great at. So we'll, we'll see if I, I can dive in and fix that. But anyways, yeah, I, I agree. The, the lighting thing is, is yeah. definitely important. Yeah. I, I always keep extra headlamps in my truck too. Oh just, yeah. Just for that. Like I'll keep one designated for, for me, I'm running a uh, James brood tent on top of my truck and I keep one in there at all times. Like not my hunting one that I take in. I have an additional camp one, just a cheap one to, to use for that. Yeah. No, that's smart. I think I have like five or six headlamps. I, I, there's always two in my pack or like, you know, if it's morning or evening, I got one on my head an extra in my pack batteries. Like, um, yeah, it's there's you can never have enough. I don't I don't know. That's yeah, just probably you know. I would suck. Probably, have you ever seen that movie? Oh, I don't even remember what it's called. Where the there's like a group of women that goes uh, cave die or like spelunking or like ex- cave exploring. Yeah. And then they get eaten by like underground alien creatures, <laughs> and <laughs> and the, and the, the one girl like her headlamp dies and then she gets eaten. And I was like, I don't know. Like I don't want to be that. Person. I've always had extras. Yeah. <laughs> well that, that's, that would be like, that'd be a terrible thing. I don't know about that. I just don't want my headlamp to ever die while I'm coming out somewhere at night because I, I'm not a person that can just feel the ground and figure out where I'm going. Like I need, I need to see, I need to see bright. Like I, I have this one black diamond. I don't know if it's a storm or whatever headlamp it is, but it's, freaking bright it's nice i like that thing i like lighting up the whole way as i'm going as i can see you know everyone always says like with whitetail hunting oh shouldn't use a headlamp going in or use red light and stuff screw that i'm using a white light and and (laughs) i want to see going in and which actually it's it's funny i had uh i had dr carl miller on as deer biologist and talking about that and he said that the different colored lights doesn't affect anything with deer. So I'm that he made me feel better about that. So did, did he say that deer basically can't see led lights or he just said that the colors of them, like the red light or the, the green versus the, the white. Yeah. Which is all of them are led now that come out. So that's, yeah, he said that didn't, didn't affect it. It doesn't affect them. Like, like the old ones would, I guess. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good to know. Cause, uh, most of the time I'm like, if I'm trying to sneak in somewhere, most of the time I have found that the red light, I'm better just not having light and like just trying to walk through somewhere 
with nothing because the red light seems like it casts weird shadows and stuff and you just end up like stomping through stuff yeah and breaking giant branches that make loud noises and yeah that's that's the way i feel and and then your your eyes can't adjust to the the outside light and you know when you have no lights on your eyes kind of adjust a little bit and you can see better you turn lights Mm -hmm. on and you know but anyways i think that screws with it but that's just yeah that's just our theory so it's probably right it's probably yeah that's right <laughs> all right let's let's move on a little bit to like a re- recovery um emergency type stuff so are you running any sort of winch on any of your rigs are you having any sort of things if you were to get stuck or coming to a tr- any sort of trouble uh, i have not been much on the bus because i'm i'm super cautious about where i drive it but with the van we will have tire chains and a winch and like base because we're gonna get ourselves in trouble with that thing like it's it's (laughs) it's way too capable i mean limited slip rear diff with full four-wheel drive like and big you know meaty bfg mud terrain tires like you can go anywhere yeah it's it's awesome um so we will definitely have some stuff that will allow us to get out of places i think right now all we have in there is a toe strap but um as so we're going to have bumpers, like uh, replacing both the front and rear bumpers. So then like the rear bumper will have like a tire, like a spare tire holder and a box, cargo box. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the front bumper <clears throat> will have both. We'll have a uh, receiver hitch mount so we can put like a receiver mount winch on both the front or the back, depending on where we need it. Yeah, that's, that's a very smart idea because a lot of times you need to come out backwards because the way you went in forward. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I, yeah I, I agree with that. And and that's i I'd, I'd love to be able to to get a winch on my setup though i think those are invaluable but at the same time that also makes you way more confident in some of the 100%. places that you go and you're like i got yeah. a winch you know that yeah there's no and same thing tire chains is another one that i have on my list that i need to need to get i've had a couple spots this winter that i got into and i really wish i had yep. had tire chains and with you with that van that thing is a pretty big heavy boat it's beefy yeah you get it stuck it's gonna get it's gonna get stuck it's gonna get real stuck i mean it's on a 3500 chassis so it's it's heavy yeah yeah exactly um yeah so another thing like so yeah i i run the the toe straps and stuff with it but also i i started uh carrying a high lift jack so 48 inch high lift jack and kind of put together like the winch kit that they have with it with th- mm-hmm. with a three eighths chain and you can basically come along yourself out if you absolutely need to and replace oh, it nice. of a winch yeah. so for me personally that's been something that i have and then a little foldable army shovel that goes into one of the the ammo cans and the deck containers to fit slides right in there i throw that in there with with an axe and some other stuff that just kind of keeps everything you know organized in my recovery pack i guess if you want to yeah want to put yeah. there but. no that's a good idea i mean we'll probably get one of those high lift jacks and then you know it'll just be mounted to the roof rack um, yeah that's, like that's a cool thing to do though you, that's you that's have to right. do that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we gotta figure out how many extra things we can bolt to that that vehicle <laughs> yeah you, yeah you need, you need a lot of extra gas cans and water cans to the outside of it and stuff oh yeah and yeah as many as you can put on the outside yeah. And in, in, in all reality, do you do you bring any? And a serious question: Do you bring any extra gas or or water jugs with you? Like typically, yeah. Um, the 
for anybody listening, like I hate the new gas nozzles, but I found a company that has done it the right way and like you won't spill. So have you, do you have any of the shirt cans? Uh, I don't think I do. So it's, uh, it looks like a normal gas can, but it has, uh, rather than the nozzle sticking out the top, the nozzle is at the bottom and then it folds, it like folds up along the side. Mm-hmm. And then your, your air release is a trigger on the top, like a thumb, thumb release. Um, and so I would, it was some tiny hardware store in, um, Montana and I bought one and I was like, Oh my God, like, cause for the last three years when the EPA changed all the regulations on gas tanks, you just spill gas all over the place because yeah. <laughs> they're whole nozzles. And so I used one of those and I was like, okay. And I went to Amazon and bought four more. And then they just came out with a utility can for like water, um, whatever else it, you might need. But man, the sure can, like, I think they're based in Salt Lake. Um, but they make, like, if you don't own one, you, Bo, you should order one. I just, know. I'm looking them up currently on my yeah. computer and I see that. Oh, that's, that's a, that's a nice thing. I, I bought one of those like typical like army can, like gas ones, which, look way cooler than they are functionally and sure and they leak and they're hard to get a good seal and just smells like gas and i yeah it's not a real good um that i like that idea yeah get a sure can like you'll stop spilling like and it's they're super easy to use um yeah i'm a i'm a big fan and that the the cool thing on the utility cans they started making um like water spigots too like so where the nozzle screws and you screw it, you re-screw in a different spigot and then you can turn it on and off, um, which is pretty sweet. Ah, yeah. I, I see that on the utility can here online. Again, I'm, I pulled it all up. That's, that's yep. interesting. <laughs> um, and are you, so when you're going, um, so are you taking just like one five gallon can with you normally? Yeah. Like, uh, if I'm alone, it's five gallons and I always add five gallons per person per like week, basically. Okay. That's a good way. Like, um, in the past with the bus having so much room, I had a, uh, you know, I'd bring those five gallon jugs, like the, the Culligan man jugs. Yeah. And actually I just got one of those like pumps. Um, one of the, one of our customers at public land tees, his family owns the company that makes the pumps for those. And he mailed me one and they're super awesome. I'll have to find the name of it. But, um, so typically I would bring, you know, if it was just me, I'd fill up a one five gallon for however long I was going to be out. Um, but I always had like three or four in the bus and then we would just run off of those, which were pretty nice. And then I did have a 30 gallon tank. Um, I had a battery powered or plug in, um, hot water heater, like a tankless hot water heater, um, that hooked up to those one pound propanes. And then I'd pull into a campsite or whatever. And then I could just run a hose into that 30 gallon tank that I cut a hole in the top fill that up and then you'd have 30 gallons of water for washing dishes or taking a shower or, um, whatever it might be, which was pretty slick. Yeah, that but, is slick. Yeah. Huh. And yeah, that was, that was something I definitely didn't have really dialed was the water, um, set up. I brought one five gallon, like a plastic jerry can basically of water. And then, then, well, actually it was, this wasn't a terrible idea. It's just, we, we brought too many again as this goes, but, uh, froze um one gallon jugs of water and use that as ice so we filled one whole cooler with nothing but that and then we'd take it out and thaw it as we went 
Um, you know, and that, that did, that did work pretty good. It's just, um, figuring out the quantities was, uh, was the, the yeah. tough part and what you're do, using it for. Luckily, I mean, we were camped next to a stream too. So like if we needed anything more, we could just go fill, you know, fill some stuff up, but it is nice to have water. And that's something you don't think about as much. Like when you're thinking of gear taking, you know, taking water with you and, right. and how to transport that. And it's, yep. Yep. Yeah. So. So speaking of that, so how are you, are you running an outdoor shower? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> um, so on the van, we have a, you know, honestly, I think Camp Chef made it. I bought it when I was building the bus and ended up not using it for the bus build. Um, it's a, it's called a Triton something. Um, I can, I can look it up, but it's a, yeah, it's a tankless hot water heater. So it's just got like you know, a propane line that can run down to a tank and then, uh, you run it to a, like you have to have a water pump basically, or, or hook it up to a, like a spigot. And then you turn that on and then it's got its own built-in shower head. Um, and you can either obviously run it to one of those shelters, um, which is what I was doing, but, or, you know, like if you're in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't really matter. You just stand out there and, and bathe. Yeah, that's I, I'm looking them up again right now, and yeah, the trite it's a Triton portable water heater from Camp Chef. They're like 155 bucks. That's a that's a nice setup. I was looking at uh, Nemo had a shelter like a basically kind of like a a shower room type yeah. thing, and was looking at something like that. Huh? Yeah, the shelter that I bought, um, and I've only used it a handful of times. I just picked it up at Cabela's. You know, it was like whatever the the shower hut XL or whatever, yeah. whatever the name of it is. Um, and, and that worked pretty slick. And I was running it off of that. I have a, it's like a boss XL. I think Coleman makes it. Um, and that one, the, the reason I went with that one is because it has a built in battery system pump. And so rather than, <clears throat> I didn't have to figure out like a water pump and a tank and a whatever, I could just fill up a tank and have that battery powered or have it plugged in. And that was, it was just simpler, but it was, more expensive than that Triton. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah that's, that's something I, I'd never, you know, ran a shower. I've been doing on the hunts, the, the fun wet wipes, wet wipes, wet oh, yeah. wipes or a freezing cold stream or finding, uh, is, you know, partway through the trip, finding a local laundry mat in town. That's got these showers. You put the quarters in and go through and use that. And usually it's like broke or I, I don't have enough quarters and I run out and I'm covered in soap and it's just like, okay. Yeah. Here, here's another tip for people that travel a lot. Um, if you go to a motel, not a hotel, but like the roadside when the doors are on the outs, like, you know, like in the parking lot. Yeah. A lot of times you can go to the office and say, Hey, I'd like to rent a room just to shower and they'll charge you like 12 bucks or whatever, you know, like really in shower. Yep. Cause all the, then the only thing they have to wash is the towels. And so you're not staying in the bed, you're not doing whatever, but you're just going to go in, take a shower or two or whatever, and then you're out of there. So um, something to look into if you're uh, if you're traveling. Yeah, because how many times? That's like some of the reason why I would get a hotel is because I just wanted a hot shower, and that's that. Yeah, that's a that's gonna be a cost saver right there. Yep. So I learned that one from my dad. We were in the middle of nowhere in uh, Nebraska one year, and we just like there was this like little podunk motel, and we went up. and I think they charged us like fourteen dollars for four of us to shower, gave us extra towels, whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Ah, oh, that's that's interesting, 
that's a that's a good tip for for traveling there um okay so what how are you storing everything like how are you keeping yourself organized um in these places because that's i i know for me that's important if you can't if you pack you know your shit away and you can't find it it's really useless at that point yeah no it's uh it is the hardest thing to do to keep it organized especially in small spaces like it's it goes from like organized to blown up in a hurry. So what I've started to do is I use like little um, packing cubes or like small, especially if I'm going to like be just parking somewhere and going in, um, makes a huge difference to have all my stuff organized into either packing cubes for like my clothing or um, I don't remember, let's see, it's 5 a.m., 6 a.m. outdoors out of Bozeman. They make these like different sizes of it's uh it's the Roman numeral, I think it's six a.m. outdoors, but it's the Roman numeral. Um, anyway, they make these kits where it's different sizes of nylon like ripstop zippered baggies, mm-hmm. and so like if I'm going on a backcountry hunt, like I can throw all of my socks, underwear, base layers into one and zip that up, and then like have batteries cleaning you know like all my camera like little tiny accessories in another one my toiletry kit like have it all separated into different sizes and they make a couple different colors and um so you can coordinate stuff like that but that's that's been really slick for me as far as like in my backpack in the van itself it'll be we've got the deck system which will be super nice and i think josh and i'll like probably each like claim a drawer yeah and and then uh obviously just like our duffel bags, like full of gear and whatever. Um, but then on top of the deck system, we put a cargo glide and that is our weapons slide out. Um, like, so every time we get back to the vehicle, like each weapon will have, what will be like two bows, two rifles, two shotguns. Like it'll be like, have its specific place, like locked down. And then anytime we need something, you can slide that whole thing out, grab what you need, slide it back in. So so with with the cargo glide and your weapons, are you putting like a a case on top of that? Like your say your bow in a bow case on top of it, or how? I, nope. I'm I'm just not familiar nope. with how that works. Yeah, so it uh, you could, but like we're basically trying to eliminate cases, and so I think what we're gonna do because I wanna I want a way to lock them as well. So I think what we're gonna do is run, um, like whatever Cobra locks or you know like the snake like cable locks. Um, have some sort of a system that we can we can lock stuff down to it but it'll basically we haven't decided if we're going to put foam like on the top with cutouts and then like a velcro strap and then a locking system um but it'll basically just all sit right there like in place yep okay yeah that that's that's cool that's one of the things like bow cases take up so much room way too much room that's, I mean, we had, you know, three guys going to Idaho and we all had the SKB cases and stuff and double bow cases that are just thick and just take up so much damn space. And that's, and I, I run a deck system in my truck too, and love it for, I organize all my gear and stuff, but I don't put my weapons in there except for when I'm doing local trips. Like yeah. right now, turkey hunting, I keep my shotgun in there and some other stuff and lock it all up. But um, for big trips, you know, I'm I'm keeping other stuff in there, and some of the those the uh, I can't think of the name of the cans right now that that you put everything in. But anyways, the you know the 
storage containers that go inside oh, yeah, the, the deck. The, well, the, the, like the D boxes, the D boxes uh, and the cargo yeah, boxes. The drawer, yeah. The drawer organizer. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I use those to keep things broken up inside the, the deck system. But after I get side, outside of that, it's kind of like, yeah, know, it's blown up. And, uh, my brother's been working on the van while it's out in Colorado and he's actually been building in some extra like organization into the van, which has been super nice. Um, because both of us know, like, as soon as we start hunting out of it, it's going to be a nightmare to like keep everything in, you know, intact. So, um, he did a pretty cool deal where underneath the bed frame. So we had the, the deck system and the cargo glide and there was all this wasted space outside of the cargo glide on top of the deck. And so he built two, um, huge, they're like three feet long, about a foot wide, I think a little over a foot deep, um, storage containers that under the bed frame, if you just pull the, the pad back, it's on leather hinges and you just pull that up and then we'll have stuff jammed in there, extra, extra gear and whatever, just to maintain some more organization, which yeah. would be nice. Yeah. And like, yeah, just finding a place for all that stuff is, you know, important. And I didn't know it the other day. I mean, I have a pretty good system with the, the deck to be able to keep myself organized, but if you don't put things away, then, you know, I was looking yeah. for, I, I have one of those, they're a, it's a Durabat. Um, it's like a 1200 amp jump starter slash battery kit. It's, you know, really small. It's amazing for, I I've been in situations where I'm by myself hunting or like last, you know, I, um, not too long ago, I was trying to locate turkeys and went back and my truck battery was dead for some reason. And I was able to jump it w- without cell service to be able to call somebody, you know, and, and those, those are really nice. But anyways, long story short, I didn't put it back where I was supposed to. And I was scrambling around looking, trying to figure out where it is. And now I'm going to, I'm going to put this up this week, uh, on, on my website, but kind of like a gear, uh, breakdown for how I have my truck set up for camping and stuff. And I have a list of my, like my deck system, what goes in the left drawer, right drawer. And that depends on the season, but say for certain hunts, and I have just this list on my Google docs and then what goes in different things. So I know, and I'm, I just kind of geek out on that stuff and like organization, but, um, that, that helps me kind of get everything or what I'm packing for another trip. Remember to put everything in there, you know, for sure. But, um, yeah, the, the biggest thing, like, so in, are you taking any sort of like, are you bringing any targets with you? If you're going for, you're going to be. Yeah. Typically bring in like a small Reinhardt either. I've just got like one of those little Reinhardt cubes, um, which is pretty slick. It's not too big. Um, I would like to get one of just like the roll, like the balls or like one of the, it's got all the angles on it. Just something much smaller. Yeah. Um, but I've been working with a vehicle that's so big, it hasn't been that big of an issue. <laughs> like I have so much room. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a little different in the van. And, uh, um, uh, but yeah, I've typically had a Reinhardt cube, um, which has been nice to just be able to make sure the bow's dialed when you're going in somewhere. Um, yeah, but I'll probably, I'll probably pick up like one of those real small, I don't know what they call them. You know what I'm uh, talking yeah. about. Yeah. 
I, I know what you're talking about, the little balls that give you anxiety when you shoot at them because they're so small and you don't want exactly. to miss and yeah. hit a rock. Yeah, and then yeah. ruin your I confidence like to really for the hunt. When I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to incite target panic whenever possible. Yeah, so. like right before you hunt. Like, yeah. Uh, I have one of the, the Reinhardt 18 to 1s. They're a little bit bigger, but it's not, not a bad size. Like little, have the different uh angles i guess on it can't figure out a good word to describe it but yeah i just throw that in the back of the back of the truck as well but yeah i um what is there anything else you can think of of like when i when you go on these trips or whatever like these are the must-haves whether it's a comfort item or a necessity like what is there anything you can think of that we haven't covered there yes uh first aid kit is is a must-have and that even beyond that, like one thing that I'm going to start carrying is a tourniquet kit. Um, and so a few years back I started carrying back in, it was 2014 and I started carrying my tags in my first aid kit. And because then I knew I would always have my first aid kit in my backpack. And I was in Montana. I killed an elk and pulled my first aid kit out, opened it up grab my tag, notch my tag, put it on the bowl. And as I'm cleaning the bowl, my knife slips and I literally jam myself in the shin. And I was like, oh, that doesn't hurt yet, which is a bad sign. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. like, that <laughs> felt. <laughs> and uh, I had Timberline pants on and I looked down and I was like, yep, there's a hole through both of like the thick part in the Timberline pant. And I pulled my pant leg up and I could watch my heartbeat uh, oh. coming out my shin. It was like bloop, bloop, bloop. And so, but over on the log next to where I killed my bull, my first aid kit was sitting open on the log. And so I walked over, you know, and like cleaned it all up and was able to put like, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Walk, tried to, you know, cleanse it a little bit and wrapped it real good and then taped that. So it wouldn't come off. And then I packed my bowl out and then was able to like, went and stayed at a hotel that night. And then I went to wash it out and like started pouring blood again. But I think had I not had that first aid kit out, like I have no idea how bad that could have been, you know, I'm with a buddy and trying to explain to him, like, where's my first aid kit? Like, how do we get this wrapped up? Or if I didn't have it at all, um, you know, what situation would that have been? Like, would I just bled out on this? It obviously wasn't bad enough to just bleed <laughs> out. It was, it was pouring blood pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first aid kit. And I would say a tourniquet on top of that is a no brainer. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a good point. And something that's overlooked, like you said, just from in your hunting pack, which I started carrying it now. Um, even on my whitetail hunts, I have a little first aid kit that I keep in, um, in my pack with things that I know how to use. Cause also if you have a first aid kit with a bunch of junk in there that you don't, yeah. you know, if you buy one of the kits from Walmart or whatever, and that has, you know, all these like bee sting all these different like bug insect things in your, in your hunting elk, like that might not really be helpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't need much. I mean, they, they make the, um, you can buy them at whatever sportsman's or basically anywhere that sells a first aid kit. They're a little waterproof, you know, it's like 20 bucks, but it has some enough gauze and enough bandages to cover like a pretty severe wound. Um, and typically it have some sort of a wrap or like a, you know, second skin or whatever that you can like wrap around to like stop bleeding or whatever. But, um, 
yeah, I think I'm going to take it. We're you know going on a moose hunt this fall. I think I'm definitely going to take it one step further and make sure I've got a tourniquet and some extra stuff to like take care of that. Yeah, that's that'd probably be a pretty good idea. I'm sure the I'm sure the wife would like that as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know another thing I I've been using one since 2013 is one of those in reaches. Uh, it was, you know, Delorme inReach first, and then now it's Garmin or owned by Garmin. But man, that's peace of mind on that. Like it's cheap to have, like you can start it and stop it during hunting seasons. Uh, and it's a GPS texting device or a SOS device that, you know, it's, uh, you can buy the SOS insurance that covers up to like a million dollars of recovery cost and, um, you can have unlimited texting during the fall for 60 bucks a month, which is pretty amazing for a GPS texting device. You sync to your phone and you can, you know, text home to loved ones and whoever you're checking in with to make sure, or like, you know, if you're going with an outfitter, you can text the outfitter and say, Hey, I killed an elk or I killed a moose. Like come get me, um, whatever it might be. But that's another thing that peace of mind is, is crazy on that. Yeah. I, I bought one of the inReach minis a few years ago yeah, same thing. So awesome there. And you could send, you know, the text, you can, you can choose whether you want your location or not attached to it. Mm-hmm. And by being able to send that out to anybody that, yeah, they could see where you're at, say, or I'd, I'd always, you know, send back to like, this is where my camp set up, you know, yep. back home. Just so this is where I was at and yep. make that nice and simple. Um, and like you said, I you can turn it off like outside of hunting season. I run mine from September to like December, just for that the unlimited, um, you know, text and stuff. I've used it for whitetail hunting. Say I got a deer down and need help, someone coming in, or if I was elk hunting, that's how I texted my buddies to come up to help me pack out the bull. Um, they probably wish I didn't have that, but uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's so you know there's so many great things for Alaska going caribou hunting this year. Like that's going to be my <laughs> only way of communication if needed. So I didn't know about the SOS insurance. So I'm, I, I'm surprised I yeah. hadn't uh, looked no, into that. If, if you go on whatever Garmin.inreach.com or whatever you can, you can, it's uh, I want to say it's like 30 bucks or 60 bucks for the year, whatever. I don't, I, I don't quote me on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's, I would definitely do it. Like, especially if you're going up to Alaska like that, that uh rescue and recovery insurance man yeah like instead of like having a hundred thousand dollar bill on your table when you get that helicopter ride out after doing something stupid in the backcountry yeah. um you know that's just taken care of so. yeah i yeah especially when i'm looking at my buddy michael sitting there i'm like the, the grizzly bear didn't attack him that bad like right. do, I, <laughs> do, I, do i need to hit this button yeah <laughs> hey, right. hey man is this right. worth 100 g's or no <laughs> yep Yep. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just better to be able to know that to have that peace of mind where, um, you know, if something catastrophic does happen, you can just hit that button and, and call it a day. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, um, is there anything else you can think of or is that, you think that kind of covers what I think that, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Cool. I, I enjoyed this one kind of this episode here, being able to geek out on some gear and a little bit different, uh, ways just it, it's been something that's a constant evolving for myself personally um, and you live out of your vehicles more than I do so I figured you were the right person to to get on and talk about this 
Yeah, man, I'm a total gearhead. So I, anytime I can talk more about gear, I love it. Yeah, that's cool. So Sam, where can um, where can people find out all these your projects and all the other content that you're uh, creating here currently? So uh, personal accounts just at Sam Soho. Basically everything, whether it be Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, um, and then our um, the apparel company that my brother and I own to raise money for conservation is Public Land Tees. And that is either Instagram at Public Land Tees or our website, publiclandtees.com. Um, yeah, that's about it. You know, I try to keep I try to keep it narrowed down as much as I can so people don't have to find everything all over the place. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I definitely urge people to check that stuff out and and there's you're always putting out a bunch of fun stuff online, whether again that's in video form, photos, whatever. So definitely check that out. And as always, Sam, it's it's a pleasure to get to to have you on and get to chat a little bit. So Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, man. Well you have a good night. You too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.